quiet. Don't say anything. All right. We're live on Facebook. Are we? Welcome to our Facebook community today. We want to welcome you to questions you never thought you could ask in church. We're going to be going live here in audio in just a moment. And we're live on audio. We'll say it again. Welcome to questions you never thought you could ask in church. Steve, welcome back. Yeah, thanks. Good to be back. It's uh, It was a long trip. You know, going through. So, for Tell us about it. Where'd you go? Yeah, so Where were we last we week? We went up to Ludington, Michigan. All right. Where's yeah. Ludington, Michigan? Ludington, Michigan is north of Muskegon, Michigan. Which Muskegon, Michigan, Michigan is Michigan? north of of Gary, Indiana, which is kind of on the loop coming from where we live. Um, so, my dad's from Muskegon, and my aunt, and, and not to be a buzzkill here, but my aunt's not not doing well. Yeah, and so yeah. we went up to visit her, and but it was really cool because she uh, was like, you know, now that we've kind of seen the family and whatnot, I'm okay with whatever happens, wherever God takes us, and and whenever He takes me, like. I'm I'm cool with that. So that like the most amazing sense like contentment that that you have. So many people yeah. are at, at that point of death, like, right? Just petrified. Yeah. Scared. Yeah. Scared to death. To death, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And to be able to have that kind of just inner calm and inner peace about it is. your future, your destiny, what if, you're leaving behind as well as if only we could live the rest of our lives like that. Yeah. You know, like mm. just at that peace of knowing and and we should, because it's like God's in control anyway. So why, what are we so worried about? Exactly. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, welcome back. Yeah, thanks. Good welcome to be back. back. Thanks for Mark for, for last week. Yeah, for, shout like, out Sin to Mark Jaffe, right? And, right? and I think we'll definitely have him in again. You know, like it was it was good to just kind of reconnect with him at church even when he stopped in. And uh, so kind of cool to hear some of his backstory and what he's been doing lately. And and uh, just a good connection. Good guy. Yeah. Good guy. So happy to talk with him. But uh, welcome to, again, questions you never thought you could ask in church. Uh, I'll read the 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 uh, the description again, just because I love to read this. Descripted intro. Ask the tough questions about God, faith, the Bible, and life. It's fun, and it will rock your world. <laughs> so get ready to be rocked, people. Get ready to be rocked. Anyway, do we have a, do we have the the song? Do, are we yes. there? It is. Yeah. Sing along. Questions. <laughs> Like the song Reagan? Yeah. So I'm, I'm still talking over the intro music. Just because I can. Hey, welcome. So we're here again this week with Pastor David Gadini. David, did your parents call you David? My parents did call me David. Did you like David? You know, I did until in my you know teenage rebellion years. You want to hear my rebellion? Yeah, let's yes. I went Dave. You went Dave. Yeah. Wow, yeah, true rebel. That's that's huge. Yeah, so you know that the reality is I get this like weird mix. What, yeah, what did you go? Because are you Stephen? I, I am Stephen. Stefan, like P H E N. Or when I cut my wife's hair, I'm I'm Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On an apron and I do cape. I do cut it. And for those of you who haven't seen my wife, you can stalk her on Facebook probably. But, um, she's got great hair, and I'm a little jealous. Kent, you are too, because I used when I had hair, I used to cut my own hair. Yeah. So I would, you know, I had the the back like mirror, three three folded mm. mirror, you know, and you're trying to shave up, and I mean, it takes some work and skill. I do my to own. go backwards. It's difficult. It is. Yeah. yeah so I now I just enjoy like cutting hair, and I think you had a question last week as far as who cut your hair. I and think the, that was you who asked. It, it was me <laughs> <laughs> because it looked good, you know. So. But then you ended up cheating on me. I know. I cheated on you. So, um, and, and I still carry the regret about that. Now we're day. in this kind of weird. Can we heal through this, Steve? Weird middle ground. Can we heal through this? Well, you know, yeah. Matthew 18, right? Matthew, yeah. So yeah. we'll do that. Okay. And, and we'll, we'll come I can't together. quite look you in the eye yet, know. but, you know, we'll I get can't there. look you in the eye either because I'm just like, I feel really betrayed. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we're doing this whole show is so that we can figure out, like, what God wants us to do and with our lives and how do we how to heal our haircut relationship the, <laughs> the salon how do we healing at the salon there you go. salvation at the salon well i'll tell you this next time you cut my hair if you'll have me again you yeah know, i will it's stefan all the way it's stefan yes so i don't even know where we were going oh yes so i cut hair with, with my wife she's got gray hair looks good but although we've found that a lot of like little dudes have the same haircut so it's like, <laughs> look, look, hun, there's that 14 year old kid over there. He's got the same haircut. Yeah, right, right. They give each other like no one glance, a thumbs up. Yeah. You know? yeah that's it's, it's, like, it's cool. It's like the Jeep wave. Right. You yeah, know, like, yeah, exactly. Hey, nice we haircut. got the Mustang wave, same yep, thing. Yep, you know, the biker yep, wave. Yep. I get, you know, I got it. 
So anyway, we've got Andrew Metcalf in here. Hello. Straight out of FOF, straight out of Woodstock, Illinois. Yep. Interesting fact that Woodstock was where they filmed Groundhog, Groundhog Day. Day. So Groundhog. Bill Murray was there, what, a couple years ago for the Super Bowl, I think? Somewhere around there. Yeah, because they redid a commercial in the same right. style. Mm -hmm. right. That's right. And just recently they were shooting a, a new series in Woodstock called Light Years. It's uh, J.K. Simmons and uh, Sissy Spacek for, for Amazon, for Amazon Prime okay. series coming okay. out. Yeah, so kind of cool to see our little town like getting some getting yeah. some love, you know. Yeah. So anyway, this is questions about or questions you never thought you could ask in church. So why don't we dive in? Yeah, are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, real quick before I forget, we've got Kent Jones in the house producing, and special guest Reagan Gadini, which is. Pastor David Gadini's daughter, so, oldest. Yeah. So and, she's and, here. And for everybody out there listening, we just waved. It's they just, yeah, they, yeah. They just waved. Yeah. Yeah. Like, enjoy okay. that through yeah. the, you know, speak. You guys look so right. cute over there in your little cubicle. <laughs> uh, Reagan had some stale chips from church because we just got done with uh, Bible boot camp, which was kind of cool. It's cool to see those kids in there. You know, it really like, is, isn't it? Just having fun, loving Jesus, and being taught about everything. And it's neat. So yeah. anyway. Today, uh, we've got, I've got kind of uh, several different areas that we're going to kind of touch on. And so I'll just give them to you. Questions about the church, questions about end times. Seems like we're there. Um, but I think every generation says that. Questions about angels and demons and questions about humanity. I can keep going. It, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I, endless. I've got a ton of stuff here. So where do I want to begin? How about we begin with... Uh, Let's see here. Angels and demons. We'll start with that one. It's kind of scary. It can be frightening. Yeah, a little, little spooked by that one? All right. Well, maybe. All right, let's see what we can do. But, but I'll start let's, off light. Let's cut a path. Do yeah. we have guardian angels? Yeah, do we have guardian angels? Yeah. Uh, do some of us have guardian angels? Absolutely, because you see angels throughout the biblical tradition guarding people. Does every single one of us have like a personal bodyguard? Because I think that's how people often think about guardian angels. And that's a bit of an unanswered question. Maybe. I mean, the legions of angels that are out there seem to be, you know, far beyond the human population. And, you know, you're not dealing with human mortality and things like that in that realm. So, so possibly, but I do know this, that, that the Bible is filled with examples, stories, teaching on this angelic force, if I can call it that that God uses to intervene in human affairs, to be messengers to human. That's actually what the word means. We don't really think about that, mm. but it means messenger. Mm. Guardian. Um, no, the word angel. angel. The angel. word angel okay. is a Greek word, angelos. It means messenger. And it's really more of a job description than it is a, um, an ontological description. What I mean by that is it's not so much like um, what you are is what you do, but uh, regardless, possibly. Mm. Okay, so... Let's go into, we, we all have our friends that someone passes, right? Right. And I, and I think one of our ways of coping with that or dealing with the loss sometimes is say, oh, well, you know, they're, they've earned their wings. <laughs> yeah. They're right, now right. angels and they're looking down on us from heaven, you know, like yeah. they're with us. No, no. I mean, it, say, it's, it's often well-intentioned and I get it, but it kind of gives me hives a little bit. Um, your, your dog doesn't become a human when your dog goes to heaven, right? I mean, it, it's a different species. You don't become an angel when you die. God made you human. You're going to go to heaven human. You're going to be resurrected human. I think it's a distortion of some teachings of Jesus where he says you'll be like the angels in heaven. But mm. contextually, he's not really, I think, referring to the fact that you're going to become the same. It's not right to use the word DNA, but you know what I mean by mm. this. The same DNA as them. But they are these glorified beings and will come to share in that glory. But you're still going to be human. And so, no, you're not getting your wings. Sorry. So no, like, pin, you know, with the wings or anything that, you know, you get at yeah, the Yeah, it's air, like the Navy the SEAL thing where they smack it yeah, in, you know, right? You know, right, yeah. right yeah. You start bleeding <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> no, but, you know, and it's actually a little bit even more fascinating because, uh, you know, you can think of Salmade. I can think of the book of Hebrews. I can think of other places that talk about this. Paul will even reference this where the angels marvel that God has made humanity the pinnacle of his creation when angels from all intents and purposes should be considered a lot higher by virtue of their power, standing, proximity to God. Uh, you know, what is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that, uh, 
right? You've made him lower than the angels that crowned him with glory and honor. Mm-hmm. And the psalm made context of that. This, this, of course, gets applied to Jesus um, in the book of Hebrews. But the psalm made context of this is they're marveling over humanity as being ones who are made the image bearers of God. Mm-hmm. And sure. Paul will even say, we'll judge the angels in the mm-hmm. end times. Wow. And I know you got some end time stuff I didn't coming. I know that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a throwaway line. It's so frustrating because he just kind of he he just drops you know he drops the beat on this and walks away. It's it's like one verse and you're like, what? It's drawing on this entire theology of mm-hmm. humanity well, and angels are kind of angelology out outside of our constraints constraints of time. It seems like our angels aging. It's like, it seems like they were created at a an age, if you can even call it that. And I mean. Gabriel's still around, I'm guessing. You see Gabriel (laughs) mentioned in the book of Daniel. Mm -hmm. Let's say the book of Daniel's arguably taking place or these events are taking place in the, uh, you know, the 500s BC. Even if you go with the dating of Daniel's being apocalyptic literature written in the second century BC, you get them popping on the scene again, you you know, appearing to like Luke or not to Luke, but it's written about in Luke appearing to Mary. And uh, so, you know, he's, kind of got a longer track record here than a typical mortal lifespan. Mm-hmm. You certainly get the sense um, from the Bible that angels are immortal as we tend to think about it. But yeah, I mean, do they age? They certainly have a beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do they experience time? There is a strange reference in Daniel chapter nine, maybe 10. It's actually 10, I believe, where Daniel is calling out and the, the angel Michael is trying to come, or rather, I think it's the angel Gabriel in this this, this uh, example, is trying to come to his aid, but he gets delayed, and it takes him 21 days. Mm. And you're like, <clears throat> wait a minute, that's so weird. So you are within How? the earthly timeline. So you, it, it's very speculative all around, and, and I think we have far more questions than we do have answers to some of this stuff. But, uh, but I do hear a lot of kind of knee-jerk cliches thrown out around the unseen realm quite often that tend to get a little more dogmatic than I think we have a right to make them. Mm-hmm. Does it have a reference in the Bible scripture anywhere? <clears throat> the number of angels that there actually are like, is there, is there a finite number? Uh, no, you know? no, not or, by finite or, number. Or are they still being created? Again, strange thing to we think about, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the closest you get to numbers within the biblical text itself and and I say it that way because there's all kinds of what I would call fan fiction mm. written about angels. And I mean, in the intertestamental period, like in the Apocrypha, the Pseudepigrapha, things like that. And I'll go down that path if you want. But within the biblical witness, the closest you're getting is like, I think of the book of Revelation. Thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000, which I don't think are meant to give us a literal mathematical number but just describing the legion upon legion or the, the, the unending sea. I'm sure there is a finite number right. to it, but it, it's, it's God's angelic army. It's, it, it's with, it, it's staggering to behold. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It, it, whenever I get into this, it's like my mind can't fathom and I'll try and go down a certain path. And then it's just <laughs> like, again, you know, I just stop because yeah. I'll frustrate myself. Right. And then, mm-hmm. I don't even know where to go from there. So right, right. anyway, uh, so with that in mind, another question here, who are the sons of God? Who are the sons of God? Well, <clears throat> depends who you're asking. Okay. The Bible gives more than one answer to that question. So throughout mm-hmm. the Old Testament, what we think of as the angelic host um, whether angel or demons, by the way, whether good or bad, you know, that, that, that created celestial sphere of beings are often referred to as the sons of God. So let's put that there okay. first. Mm-hmm. Um, by extension, we'll be called sons of God. God adopts us into his family and we become sons and sons and daughters of God as well, if I can do it by extension that way. Um, Israel for example, in Exodus chapter four is called God's firstborn son, which is fascinating when you think about um, what John will write about Jesus, because there we see that Jesus is commonly in the gospels called the son of God. And John will go so far as to say his one and only or only begotten son, if you know, John three sixteen, 
And so there are different answers to this question. Just like I think we use the word son a little bit more broadly today than most people realize. I mean, certainly I have a biological son, but people will often have adopted children. And it's not uncommon for people to talk about someone as their son or their father, even if there's no biological or legal Paul. bearing on it, for example. Yeah, yeah, my son Timothy mm-hmm. in the faith. Mm-hmm. No biological connection, no adoption there, right? But but a mentor and a, and a master, so uh, a mentor and a disciple, right. if you will. Yeah. So different question, uh, different answers to that question. But one that I do think is often overlooked is the reference to the angelic host, mm-hmm. if we can put it mm-hmm. that way. So it reminds me of a song by Citizens, and I'm I'm waiting to to see Andrew's reaction to this because I think I know what it's going to be. This song, Kids of Grace. Oh no, he hates this song. Like, <laughs> go look it up. It's by the band Citizens. Okay, and it's called Kids of Grace. It's probably one of my favorite songs. Yeah. But for, for lyrics or for both. music? Or, okay, both. both. Love the music. Okay. Love the lyrics. Or do you just love the cover art of the band? Um, that's just some clouds. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of okay. boring. It's kind of boring. A mirror. Feels kind of angely though. Or like, like, like bad angel. The, the, I hate cloudy angels. Yeah. Don't you hate cloudy angels in the diapers? Y- yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. The big fat little babies in the, the diapers well, and the harps? Like Cupid. Yeah. Yeah. And then you read like the biblical story of what an angel is. And it's like, how did you connect the dots from this <laughs> tiny to little this? fat baby? Wait, yeah. That's not yeah. what heaven's going to be like. <laughs> <laughs> surrounded by babies floating on clouds. We're going to have giant like fly swatters and trying to nail these little things. It's just a Huggies commercial. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, go look up Kids of Grace by Citizens because at Fellowship of Faith, Andrew, we will play it. So it's coming. It's coming. I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay, okay with okay. it. He'll hold good. his nose. It's not one of my favorites, but <laughs> he's it's growing. a good song. He's I'm a growing gro- young I'm man. I'm growing, yes. All right, so we, we got to get people to text in or like answer on yeah, Facebook here. Yes, yeah. What they think about this song. Thumbs up or thumbs down on the song. Go go find it on YouTube. Yeah. Kids of Grace. Or no, it's just called Kids. Just called Kids. Just That's called even kids. worse, Steve. Well, That's actually, not making it better. It's a bad title. It it's is, yeah. We'll is it spelled K I D Z? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> super cool and hip because they put a Z on it. So because you know, with all Christian music, we're about ten years behind the coolness, cool factor. Ten, man. Well, thirty depends on who you ask. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <laughs> if, we'll, we'll give the ten thirty window if on this, right? In, yeah. Well, I shouldn't even go here. No, I won't. So I don't want to slam anyone. Anyway. Um, Hey, by the way, you know, we haven't given the text in number today. How about- you know, we, we invite live text and we'll get your texts uh, anonymously. You could always do it on Facebook. And of course, uh, you know, we'll see your, uh, I'll use an old CB term. We'll see your handle. Your handle. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that. Yeah, what is that? Um, but, you know, if you do want to text us, it's 815-314-0363. Again, 815-314-0363. Any question on God, life, theology, the Bible, comparative religions, how it intersects with you, um, you know, we'll, we'll, do the best job we can to tackle these right here as uh, transparently and straightforwardly and bluntly as we can. Yeah, and this is kind of cool. I didn't even realize this. Like, Kent, you're so technic- like up to date with the, the technology. Look at this. We got Ted Ligel. Is that how you pronounce Legal. it? Legal. Hey, everyone. All right. Hey, shout Ted. out to Ted. Yeah. Glad you're listening here Welcome today, to Ted. Show. He says, yeah. great show. I'll be listening for sure. Great. Great to have you. Doreen Peterson, little heart there. Oh, we love All right, Doreen. You know, love I actually you too, know Doreen. Doreen. Shout out to Doreen there. <laughs> All right. That's uh, a that's cool. That's cool. a flashback, Doreen. We got to reconnect. Yeah. Um, Tasha Johnson, welcome. Um, yeah. We'll keep going from there. Yeah. So Texas, yeah. Texas, and then not only that, but go listen to that song. Maybe after this. Maybe I, yeah, well, no, yeah. you know, I mean, you can do it. Maybe we'll take a break with Andrew. He can dance or tell some jokes or something. <laughs> I little, have nothing prepared. A little stage. But at something. some point, we do want your feedback on the yes. song, and yeah. it will be very determinative between yep. this, uh, you know, worship director, tech director kind of uh, rift. I yeah. think I think they should decide whether we play it, whether at we play or it not. or not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just a yes or no. Because I love to go off of the the masses. <laughs> Doreen on Facebook says the video on kids <laughs> is kind of creepy. <laughs> Are you sure it's the right one, Doreen? Because I gotta look. I gotta go back and look at this have now. Have you watched the video? I don't know that I have. It's gonna ruin the song for you. Yeah, it may. It may. It may. Okay. <laughs> uh, a friend's daughter says she sees demons. How should okay. someone approach that? Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's uh. It's a great question. I really appreciate you asking, and I and I appreciate it for a couple of reasons. One, it's a it's a question um, that I think is more prevalent than people realize. 
but the people who experience this kind of thing often feel isolated and alone. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, mad props to you for, for asking it. That's what the show is about, yeah. where you could take the things that you might be afraid to ask, might wonder what people think about you and uh, way to go on that. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to approach this a couple of ways. Some people um, refuse to acknowledge any sense of an alternate plane of existence. And so anything that we would call supernatural is kind of dismissed out of hand as being, um, you know, fantasy, delusion, psychosis, um, hallucination, imagination, or, or any other number of things, or maybe just naivety and, and, and lack of sophistication. Some of the, um, the wisest people throughout history have felt some of the deepest interactions with the, uh, the supernatural realm. And so I don't dismiss these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there is another extreme where people are ready to see a demon behind every bush. And, you know, and attribute anything to an angel or a demon. And so I think there's a more nuanced way to approach it. I would have very open conversations with your daughter, and I don't know her age, um, you know, and that might factor it too. Um, but I would have very open conversations. Um, what are you seeing? What is it like? What, what are you hearing? What, what are you feeling? Is this something more of just like a, a sense of presence in your life? Is this something more manifest that you're, you're actually physically saying it? Uh, maybe start tracing back what might be tracing, uh, what might be um, leading to some of this. Mm -hmm. Because it could be imagination. It could be tricks of the eye. It could be natural phenomenon that you're attributing. Or it could be something supernatural. I mean, I've been a part of things like that in the past. I, uh, most pastors I know have in one way or another. Mm -hmm. But what I would really encourage you to do is take it to the next step after that conversation with your daughter. Um, and I don't mean this lightly, but see, is, is there a history of this? Is there, a, you know, drug use, alcohol use, emotional stress going on? I mean, you got to approach this from every single yeah. angle, and, and that doesn't lessen it. Right. But sit down with someone you trust, a trusted professional, uh, a pastor or a priest, um, a, a counselor, especially a Christian counselor who isn't going to write off this as a possibility right away. Start navigating the path, but... In the immediate, let's talk like ER room right. right now. Something that's on you now before you you, you get that next step. I, I love what John writes, uh, this disciple of Jesus. And First John, I think it's First John 4, 4. Don't quote me on the exact chapter and verse, but it's feeling right to me. Mm -hmm. He says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in this world. And to me, that's one of the, the, the strongest assurances to any kind of spiritual warfare that we might ever face that the Holy Spirit is stronger than any other spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is in you, it doesn't mean that you can't be tormented and tempted mm -hmm. by these spiritual forces as they might be, but they cannot overcome you and lean into that. And if you don't know where you're at with God, that's the place you need to start. If you don't know where your relationship is at with God, if you don't know who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for you, if you haven't come into relationship with him, accepted his spirit into your life. These are essential starting block places or a process to go through with your daughter and then build on the assurance that God gives her. You could read about other places. Um, uh, First Peter 5, Ephesians chapter 6 are some great passages to read that I think will give you some hope. But definitely don't do this one alone. You, you know, I, I, think of, uh, I think of demons as back alley crooks looking to mug you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you get mugged, go to the police. Right? If you're being threatened by the bully at school, get help. Same thing here spiritually. Um, eventually, if you stand against them, they will flee from you, but they will seek to make your life miserable. Yeah. If in fact it is that, and if it's something else, well, let's deal with those issues too. Yeah, and and not only that, I don't, you know, I don't know what the age of the daughter is, but you know, that can be scary stuff. It can. Know? I mean, it to, can to see things that you're just not even sure what they are or you know, where they're coming from or why. And it can be equally frightening whether you're 5, 15, 25, or 65. Yep. And as a dad, you know, I feel for you because, it's, I mean, to see your child go through something like that. Yeah. And, and, and there's not really anything that you yourself can do about that. Mm -hmm. You know, besides, prayer is powerful, right? Yeah. So suggest getting down on your knees, pray. You know, pray God removes them, you know, and, and they flee. So. And, you know, if you don't know where to turn, you know, we're at a church here in town uh, in McHenry, Illinois, called Fellowship of Faith. Yep. I'm the pastor there. I would love to meet with you and your daughter um, 
together or or separately if that's not possible together. If you want to navigate this one anymore, if you got a home church, certainly start there. Yeah. But if you don't have a place you're connected with, come check us out, fellowshipoffaith.org. You can find our uh, our contact information. My email address is on there. All the kind of good stuff. That and geologically, need. I mean, geog- geography-wise, if, you, if you're not around, we'll Zoom. Yeah, you know? yeah I mean, exactly. Skype, FaceTime, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So um, so you kind of answered this a little bit. Go ahead. All right. um, what do we have? What am I looking at? The music is good. Some of the lyrics. Oh, we got a question here from uh, Christine. Christine Lynn. Go ahead, Dave. Read it. Is it true that America isn't in the end times in the book of Revelation? One more time. I'll read this for just our our audio only audience today. Is it true that America isn't in the end times in the book of Revelation? You know, um, it's fascinating to me. You can go and read Acts chapter 2. And Acts chapter two, if you're unfamiliar with the uh, the book of Acts, it's it's Luke's sequel. Like most people know the Gospel of Luke, but then Acts is his sequel or his part two. Luke is about the story of Jesus. Acts is the story of the early church. And right away in chapter two, we have this event. It's it's called in the Christian tradition Pentecost. It just means fifty, and it's fifty days. It's actually a Jewish holiday being celebrated, but that God attached some things to after. Christ's death and resurrection. And, and it was the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And it was manifest through these like incredible signs of like, y- you know, wind coming down from heaven and violent sounds and tongues of fire appearing on people's heads and, and people starting to speak in the languages of the people who were gathered for this Jewish festival. And everyone was hearing them in their own language. And people are trying to make sense of this. Mm-hmm. And, and some are going, oh my gosh, what is God doing? And others are going, oh, these guys got to be drunk. And what happens is the apostle Peter, gets up in the middle of it and goes, these guys aren't drunk as you might suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning, which I've always found interesting because I've known a lot of people that that hasn't stopped. Yeah, right. <laughs> but anyways, that's that's how he enters into this. And he starts interpreting the event and go and read it for yourself. It's Acts 2, maybe read the whole chapter, but you can pick up around verse 14, 17, something like that. And he says, no, this is what is, this is done to fulfill what was spoken of through the prophet Joel And then he talks about how this is the last days. So according to not only Joel, but also Peter, we are in the last days. And we've been in the last days since 30 AD. The way that the New Testament looks at this entire period of time that we're in between Jesus' resurrection and ascension later into heaven and when he returns, this whole period of time. So what are we, like 2021? Mm -hmm. So the last 2,000 years... It calls the end times or better, the last days, which of course immediately brings up the idea going, I don't think you have the same definition of last as I have because it's like one last rep. Yeah, one, one last rep. Yeah, right. Just one more. 2000, yeah. 2001. <laughs> that's the personal trainer that you want to kill, right? <laughs> but that's how Jesus and his apostles want us to think that we are always in the very end that Christ can come at any given moment. And this is the era when the kingdom of God and the new age is breaking in. These are the last days. Now, that's certainly true for America as every nation on earth. And whether Christ comes again, like in the next 30 seconds, or whether Christ comes in another 2,000 years or 10,000 years is anyone's guess. And anyone, anyone, anytime anyone tries to do the math on this and figure it out to a date, there's one uniform truth. They're always wrong. Yep. If Jesus himself says, I don't know the day or the hour, I don't think some well-meaning Bible teacher or prophecy expert or whoever it might be is going to kind of get one up on Jesus on this. So kind of always operate with that. But, uh, I'll throw one more log on the fire, yeah. and it's with the book of Revelation. Okay. And I'm just going to kind of put it out there. We'll let it hang let or and move on, or you can push me further. Don't think of the book of Revelation primarily as a, as a record of what's to happen in our future. Think of it more as a very symbolic picture, story, if you will, of what the Christians were experiencing around 96 A.D., when it was arguably mm. written. Why do you say 96 AD? Because that's probably when it was written. Okay. 
just wanted to verify. Didn't know if there's anything else there of significance. So no one knows when yeah. a lot of these books of the Bible were actually written to the like day right. or year. Right. But but people who study this stuff can give very educated guesses mm -hmm. on it. And we see that it's written by John, who most attribute to be the same John as the gospel writer John. Though arguably there is some divergence of opinion on that. Um, it's written in a time that seems to be later on in his life when he's in exile. And if you look at the things that the book of Revelation alludes to, it seems to fit in with the, the, the reign of the Roman emperor Domitian um, and the persecution that was breaking out at that time. Some have said Nero, which would push it earlier to about the 60s. But the prevailing scholarly consensus today is more 90s and 96 has, I, I won't get into the Nitty gritty of sure. maybe why that year over 92, sure. but 90s. We'll right. just go with the 90s. Yeah. Okay, good. So Chris says, oh, Doreen says, who sings it? It's Citizens, a band called Citizens. Going back to the song now. <laughs> we're, not, we're not breaking loose of this. No, yeah, it's, no, <laughs> no, we're not. Chris says, no, great. Uh, the music is good, but some of the lyrics, meh. Okay, Chris, I'm going to challenge you on that. Because I can almost guarantee what lyric you're talking about in the song, it says, even when we are so bad. And when we think about bad, we think about like, well, who's bad? Who do you ever call? Kids? My mind immediately goes to Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. It, yeah, Kent, I, Kent is giving a thumbs up on that one, right? I did not go well, We're there. showing our age, man. I, I think of like little kids, right? They're, they get into trouble. You're bad, right? Even when we are so bad. Well, there's probably different words for the word for bad. So... I'm going to say that that's Chris's hang up with the lyrics is the word bad in there. So let us know, Chris, let, let me know, Chris, you can tell me now or later. It doesn't matter. 15 Ted's uh, daughter is 15. Okay. 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 Good. Um, going back to the, well, with, with Ted, actually with Ted legal, yeah. um, the, the, one of the, one of the questions was, can, Christ, can Christians be demon possessed? You know, this word possession has so much misconception and yeah. false baggage yeah. around it. Explain possession. I, I need to give this a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. And then after going through that, I'll go to the specific question that maybe Ted and his Ted's daughter is facing okay. where you're, you're seeing this or you're feeling haunted by them or tormented yeah. by them or whatever yeah. it might be. It's fascinating that if you look, the New Testament is written in Greek. Let's put that out there to start. And when the Gospels, which talk more than anything in the Bible about the interface or interaction of people with the, the demon world, if I can put it that way, it uses the term in Greek that I think is more apt than demon-possessed. It uses this term, demonized. Mm. And I prefer it. I think there's a slightly different new, I think there's actually a very big nuance yeah, yeah. Um, of difference. And when most people think of demon possession, I think their mind goes back to arguably the exorcist. Even if you were born three decades after the exorcist, it's kind of the seminal piece that's right. really kind of defined the genre of every other kind of occult movie that's come out since then, or maybe the exorcism of Emily Rose yeah. um, or, or something like that, or even later. But you get the picture of, of, you know, people talking in strange voices and heads going around 360 and projectile vomiting and, and, and almost that you've, you're, you're being controlled. Um, that, that you've become like a puppet on the 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 the, the marionette strings of, of a demon who is doing things through you. And there's a lot of people I, I've talked to who are very smart, rational, sober-minded people. Even a, a, a buddy of mine in ministry uh, reached out to me about three weeks ago about an exorcism he was taking place. And, and um, uh, you know, when you see things, that can certainly suggest that at times. But 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 let's go more often. Okay. More often, I think it's being tormented. And a Christian can certainly be tormented by a spiritual force. All of us have faced temptation. Sure. Jesus himself went 40 rounds, you know, or, or, you know, three rounds over 40 days in the desert with the devil being tempted and tormented. So I think whether you're a Christian or not, certainly you can be attacked, tempted, tormented, uh, demonized, if you will. But that's very different than possession. And let me clear up a misconception about possession right now. Mm -hmm. We in the States, in the Western world, particularly, you know, in 21st century America, we think of ourselves as autonomous, free beings. And this is not the biblical view of humanity. Mm -hmm. The biblical view of humanity 
is that we are all slaves of something. And we are either slaves to sin or we are slaves to righteousness. You can read Romans 6 on this and, and following to get more if you'd like on your own. But we either belong to the darkness, the, the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. We are owned. But just because you're owned doesn't mean you're controlled. And the metaphor of ownership is playing off of the slave imagery of the first century Greco-Roman world. The Greco-Roman world, there were many people that were slaves. In fact, it's been estimated that one third of, of the population of Rome or, or the Roman world were slaves. And it wasn't like what we think of as chattel slavery often in the like 19th century Americas, where it was like uh, specifically racially based. Um, um, sometimes people would sell themselves into slavery. Um, Luke, the gospel writer, it's argued may have been a slave. Um, and it was a different system back then. I'm sure it wasn't pleasant. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to kind of like espouse it here. But uh, but the point is, you can be a slave without being controlled by your master, even though, in a sense, you are owned by a master, right? You can still have freedom of thought, freedom of volition, even if you're under a, a system of oppression or repression, if you will. And so the picture that the Bible gives is that um, Christ came to ransom and redeem us from the ownership of sin, death, and the devil. That that rightfully, we, we rightfully belong to that kingdom or realm of existence, if you will, even if I'm not projectile vomiting or taking on different voices or persona. No, no, I'm just caught in ownership there. And Christ has come to free us from that and make us his slave. And that, that gives people a problem sometimes. Like, wait, wait, I don't want to be a slave of anything. No, it, it, it's a good thing. He says, I own you, and now by my ownership, you are free. If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. You are free from that and now a citizen of my kingdom. And Paul himself will open most of his letters, and it gets washed out in modern translations. But I love Romans. You know, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I've become a slave of righteousness. I'm now owned by that, and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. So... Fascinatingly enough, in the early church, when they looked at baptism, they looked at it as an exorcism. They mm. looked at it as a, 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 a an exorcism. You go, what, what do you mean? Like people are coming and like, you know, monsters? No, 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 no. They saw baptism as being the way that you have become released from ownership in the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. And that's why baptismal liturgies across denominational lines to this day, if, if your church follows like, like one of the more, the, the more ancient or historic creedal, uh, you know, traditions, you always get this question, you'll know it from the Godfather, right? <laughs> Do you renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways? You know, and you're supposed to say yes, or I will, or I do. I do renounce them. Yeah, or I do renounce them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that's coming <laughs> that's, straight out of Lutheran liturgy. Strategy. And it's, it's, it's the same in Catholicism and, you know, other reform branches, Anglicanism and things like that as well. Because what you're doing is you're renouncing that ownership and claim of that ownership. You're renouncing the devil. We never think of it that way. It's true. And then it goes on. Do you believe in God, the father almighty? Do you believe in Jesus Christ's only son? But uh, they put a lot more stock in that back then than I think we do today. Yeah. And, and there's something good to remember that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have one here that came in from text that's Completely changing what we're discussing. Okay. So I think, okay. I think that might be a chance for it. Can Can I wait on that real real quick? Yeah. Because, yeah. because the, this one follows. I mean, it's can Satan read our minds? Yeah. There's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You know, who knows, right? Who knows? And I think that we tend to think he can, because sometimes it seems like the temptations of the devil are far more intimate and far more internal than we even hear God talk at times. Sometimes I think it's easy to feel closer to the devil than Satan, not because we like him, but because we just battle with that. But I think it's a mistake to automatically assume that he can. And it's certainly a mistake to think that the devil is omniscient, that somehow he's always with you, always in there, always spinning. And sometimes I think we are too quick to blame the devil over our own corrupt human fallen nature. And sometimes I think the things that we battle with are far more due to our fallen sinful nature. And the thoughts that we have as deplorable and evil as they are, I think we're afraid that that can come out of us 
but I think more often they do than we realize. The devil made me do it. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. right. Where, where where Jesus would say, no, it's out of the uncleanness of a human heart that comes every kinds of sin, you know, any list that you could read Mark 7. Sure. I would um, answer that question. No, that's Google, Alexa, and Siri. <laughs> <laughs> always yeah. With you. yeah, right. Always they always know, too. It always pops up on my phone. Like, How yeah. But if he's cunning, as Google, Alexa, yeah. and Siri are, <laughs> if he's been, you, you know, far maybe ahead of us, uh, right. like a good con man can read your mind, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Perceptive, yeah. cunning, attentive, intuitive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great question. Andrew? All right, Andrew, what do yeah, we got? So this one came in through uh, the text number, which again is 815-314-0363. Um, what secular books or movies do you see Christian symbolism in? Oh my gosh. It just the list. Uh, where do you start? Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the reasons I love uh, movies, films so much is, uh, especially fantasy and sci-fi is it's, uh, it's positively sacramental to me. Um, even from authors who are not intending it. I mean, let's start with some obvious ones, J.R.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, who are Christians, um, um, and it's certainly in their their writing, but I mean, it goes on and on. I mean, how many movies have I watched? I mean, you could see The Matrix from the Wachowski. Um, it's not the brothers anymore, but the, the Wachowski mm-hmm. siblings. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's loaded with it if you go back 20 years ago. Um, you can see it in X-Men, MCU. You can see it in Ender's Game. You can see it in, I mean, I, there, there's so much. I mean, well, it's so much of the, some some of it is just the archetype of storytelling. So much of it follows the, the story of of the Bible. Like a lot of those archetypes seem to have come. I don't necessarily come out of that, but it kind of follows it in nature. C.S. Lewis, interestingly enough, who's kind of like become the patron saint of evangelicalism in the 20th century. Um, by the way, if you don't know C.S. Lewis, read his stuff. Read anything he's written, and you're yeah, going to be in good, good hands. Yep. Um, <clears throat> You know, he was an atheist and he came to faith largely through the witness of J.R.R. Tolkien, um, but through pagan myth. And he writes a lot about what he will call fairy stories. And we think fairy tale and we think kitty, but that's not what it meant in that context. Um, about the power of pagan myth and paganism and, and the stories and the myths and, and, and even how they've been... Um, um, more, more encapsulated by like George MacDonald and other people over time and how laced within them is shadows and images of the truth of God. I like how Paul talks in first Corinthians 13, that we almost see in a shadow, we see through a glass dimly and that the pagan world and the secular world knows these inherent transcendent truths, but dimly. And even when you have non-theistic or anti-theistic authors and writers and filmmakers, we can't help if we're doing good film and good literature to write about the stuff that matters and that's transcendent, good and evil, heroism and sacrifice, the idea that seems laced that one lays down his life for the many, redemptive power. And sometimes I think they give us a better picture than well-intentioned but mm-hmm. poorly produced over Christian yeah. writers. Yep. So, I mean, the list is legion. What I would encourage you to do is this. I mean, I, I gave a few off the off the bat, but just start looking for it and you'll see it popping out everywhere. And the greater you get to know the Christian story, the more you will see Christian symbolism laced in everything you are listening to, reading, and watching. It's the lens or the filter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, and, and that's really like... What was the movie that that I was talk, telling you guys about? It was just released on Amazon Prime. It's got Chris uh, uh, Pratt. Tomorrow War. Tomorrow War. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what I found fascinating, and again, this is probably not the intent of it, and I, I guarantee it wasn't the intent yeah. of the writers, but as I'm sitting there watching this, I'm well, thinking- Well, with Chris Pratt, I might challenge you on that. Well, okay. I Chris, actually might challenge you a little bit on that because he produced it. Oh, he did? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, he didn't direct it. Interesting. But he is one of the, uh, the listed okay. producers, so at least he has some say so as not may, only an actor, but the money. He, he may, it's true. It's true. I would go watch it. It's a great movie. I mean, it really is good. Yeah, it's an Amazon, uh, Amazon or not an Amazon. Prime. Yeah, it's yeah, Prime Original. Amazon Prime. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, one, uh, um, my wife's going to come uh, have harsh words with me if I don't mention this one. But, you know, like she's a, I don't know what you call these people, but she's like a Doctor Who fanatic. Mm. Like, like uh, is there a yeah. term for that? Like if you're a... a, a 
a Huian. Yeah, let us know if you're a Doctor Who it's fanatic out there. It's a great thing there, that Reagan is here today. Yes, yes. Thank you, Reagan. <laughs> but she is a a Huian or whatever the um, correct terminology is. But you know, I'll sit down and watch it with her sometimes. It's replete the uh, the the amount of Christian symbolism that just pours out of it, and she, for her, it's a lens to Jesus mm -hmm. in so many ways. Mm -hmm. um, you get me it, going on this, and I gotta keep I spiraling you, you on. You are it. a Hoovian. Oh, it's a Hoovian. I'm getting a Hoovian. Okay, shout out to Tina. Thank you for sharing online. Thanks, Tina. <laughs> uh, how about um, Shawshank Redemption? A fantastic. Yeah. Again, ah, oh. and the symbolism there. And even as Shawshank tends to challenge the institutional church and church hypocrisy, which why not? Why not? <laughs> Nonetheless, and it might even have an anti. Christian bend by intention, be, but the transcendent be. ideas yeah. betray even its own yep. possible intention in yep. writing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Braveheart, you know, you go yeah. back. Uh, that's when this kind of popped in my, the star Wars trilogy mm. is filled with it. And I don't acknowledge the other ones, by the way. So I still call it the star Wars trilogy. Well, this is, this, yeah, <laughs> there's okay. a lot more Ken new I, ones than Ken old ones. I are going to go fight outside. I'm yeah. sure after yeah, I say right, this, because right. I've only seen return of the Jedi. And I couldn't do any more after that. I can't and, stand and you it. know, you guys, you guys, um, I got to encourage you got to pray for Steve in this because <laughs> Steve just doesn't have taste when it comes uh, to movies and, and TV. And like, like we got to get into these things and like the guy still hasn't seen Mean Girls or Pitch Perfect. No, I, I, I can't. I, I don't not, even understand. I will not, I will oh, not subject myself nor waste my time. With a, I don't even understand, Steve. With a comment like that, I feel that you've been demonized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steve's no, clearly demonized. Uh, <laughs> pray for Steve. I'm saving those for eternity when I actually have, well, endless time. Mm. So I'm not wasting my time here on Earth. <laughs> I actually went, I went at midnight. I've seen the crap you've given me, Steve, <laughs> to watch. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, man. Okay, well, this is the end of our show. <laughs> <laughs> Just mute Dave's uh, mic. We're done. Oh, uh, look at that. Also, love you, Dave. Oh, love you too, goodness. sweetie. The cheese. <laughs> this is not a cheesy show. Shouldn't be. Anyway, now my wife better do that too. Okay. Uh, Matrix reminds me of you recalling, sorry, recalling you dressed <laughs> for the opening of the movie. Did I even read that right? Yeah. I think you, you, did, you stumbled about, through it a little bit. Is yeah. she talking about you, Dave? Do you remember back and then, you know, you wouldn't remember Steve because you don't like good things, but, uh, you know, <laughs> and I probably wasn't alive. So. Yeah. And Andrew, you weren't alive. So Kent, I mean, do you remember back in the nineties when like the midnight premieres of shows first came out, like, like the movie studios oh, yeah. realized that like all the, like, like, like the geeks and the fanboys would come out at midnight and this they whole thing developed, like we're going back to the star Wars re-releases um, Lord of the Rings came out. Matrix came out at that time. And like people would start like dressing up and it would become like parties at the theaters. Well, we, at my old church, we did this for the, uh, the matrix and we all kind of came in costume. Mm, nice. And I mean, I had a killer costume because all it was, was like a black Roman cassock. Like you could think like that clerical yeah. robe yeah. and sunglasses. So you just take the clerical tab out and it was just like, that's how Steve dresses every day. Yeah, right. So. Yeah, <laughs> that is, that's me. Yeah. It's yeah, simple. Just, right. Right. For, so there's deeper see. stories for another episode on that one. For, for, black, yeah. yeah. Thanks for the flashback on that. Yeah. During, for our uh, younger audience. It's like waiting for the new iPhone. That's what it, right? Uh, it, there you line go. Up yeah. There the you new go. iPhone. It was for movie releases. You I actually it. went to one of the star Wars midnight premieres, one of the newer ones a couple of years ago. And I fell asleep halfway through the movie. <laughs> well, that's because so it, it wasn't episode invested. four or five or six, Andrew. Yeah, right? that's how invested I was. In yeah. it. You know what? Here's the thing. Like, I can't watch any movie with Keanu Reeves. No, huh? Can't do it because all I see is Bill and Ted. So so it's really mm. like Bill and Ted are in the Matrix. Okay. So, okay. And Just it's, pulls he's the you same character. Like, I mean, he, he anyway, again, again, good Steve guy. I'm sure he's has great, little taste. So yeah, it's the Matrix. I'm sure you could have done a great job in that. They should have cast you. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so going back to kids, because uh, kids of grace. Yeah. Wait. Wait. Wait a minute. Wait a minute here. Yeah. Okay. So. So I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it. So Chris says, "No, it's the kids thing. I'm too old to be a kid." Chris, childlike faith. I think sometimes, and this is. It, I'm probably going into this way too deep, but at the same time, I'm going to because well, I'm, you've got turf here to defend, apparently. I so. do, yeah. and I'm, I'm yeah. I love the song because it is that childlike faith, and I think sometimes we think we're too mature. Oh well, I can't do that, you know, because I'm too old or whatever. And it's like, no, remember your childlike faith. I think God wants us to remember the childlike faith because that's where it was all like 
exciting and new. And, and sometimes we grasp at those because mm-hmm. maybe our faith has become kind of old news to us. And it's just a habit at this point, going to church, singing the songs, listening to a preacher, go on and on. Well, and we on. lose wonder and awe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I know. I'm cutting that one off yeah. right away. <laughs> Come on, wrap it up. Land the plane. What's the application? Let's get out of here. <laughs> well, I, and I think I've seen that like played out in front of me this week. Our church is doing Bible boot camp, which some churches call BBS, but we do. I'm not going to say it's better. Like, we do it differently. It's on steroids. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. But I mean, we have a hundred kids at the church and I'm running tech for it, you know, singing, doing all the dance moves, doing uh, shouting and chanting and uh, boot camp drill calls and things. And it's like, that's the kid like faith, the excitement. Yes. And they the, love it. Yes, they they love it. Excited. And they're unashamed yeah. about it. it. Yes. Which is what I love about it because it's like, what if congregations that were in church, right? I mean, they're, they're worship, a worshiping body. I mean, there's no better place to be for a, for that time and place and the purpose of it, right? Like here's our God who created us everything about it. Like forgave us, died for us, rose again, created a heaven, going to create a new heaven and earth for us. Like, and, and we can barely get the energy together to go to clap or, you know, to say amen or whatever. But these kids, yeah, it's like the, energy that they have and the excitement because of, wow, they just realized who God actually is. And that's the, what I mean about the childlike faith. And I want to circle back on that revelation question from earlier and take it a different direction. One of the things that revelation pictures in four and five, where I gave it thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 reference to the angels is it's, it's the people of God and the angels are sons of God, if you will, gathered in the throne room of heaven. And it seems to be like a 24 seven, like worship party going on. Right. Yeah. And, and a lot of people have read that and secretly kind of go, oh my gosh, I can barely tolerate like an hour of church. That sounds exhausting, that sounds exhausting yeah. or boring or yeah. horrible or yeah. just drab. That's all we do. Um, and it's because we have such a lame experience of worship. Even the best churches yep. here are yep. a shadow yep. of what the kingdom of God is going to be. And I wonder if the one key difference between believers here worshiping now and believers in heaven worshiping when that time comes is going to be when they're in heaven, they're not afraid to be there anymore. Yeah, true. You know, the inhibition that just exists among the average person in a church that just want, you know, and I, and I see it and I hear it. They want to express. Yep. They want to, to sing it out or drop to their knees or raise their hands or, or dance or, or, or whatever. And then it's true for all of us, especially in, you know, very Anglo suburban middle class, you know, cultures. You're afraid of looking stupid. Judgment. You're afraid of judgment. You're afraid of being... I don't know. I even get I even get nervous for other people. So like seeing someone, ha- you know, going past those inhibitions and doing something, I'm like, ooh, I get uncomfortable, and I'm not even doing it. I'm just seeing someone else do it. Yeah, and, and like, it's 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 so sad, honestly. Yeah. yeah. So so one thing, here's a funny story. So you you know the the song God with us. Yeah. Great song, timeless song. We're doing this in, in our in our old church where we're at, and we had one new new guy, young kid, probably. 21 at, at mm-hmm. the most grew up Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very different than yeah, full LCMS board. full board, you know, Lutheran yeah. church, Missouri Synod, very conservative most of the time. And so we started this service and, and uh, we're playing God with us. And, and all of a sudden in the middle of the song, you know, the whole congregation sitting down, Yeah, but he just stands up and he's just raising his hands. And it was the most awkward thing for everybody, but it was the coolest thing because totally. everybody else lost the inhibition to, to keep, you know, continue to sit. So they all stood up because they felt inside the same way, yeah. just scared to, to, yeah. to show it, you know? Yeah. So it was like, thank God for that kid. Mm-hmm. He didn't stay long <laughs> because, it, because it was just like, wow, these guys, you know, yeah, it's, are it's, just it's, it's lame, kinda, but it's repressed. Yeah, it, it is. It, it, it is. And, it, and it's not that anyone's imposing it from the outside. Mm-hmm. It's internally. Yeah. And even when people do raise their hands or, or start to emote, they're often just still following the crowd. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, just, let God do what God wants right. to do in you yeah. and meet him in that place and screw everyone else. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Bold. The only yeah. thing I think about a 24 seven worship service in heaven is, will I have to be running tech for it? <laughs> Cause I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> I enjoy it. I can worship through it, but I don't know if I want to do it all the time. And it does what? sound exhausting. Doesn't it? <laughs> we just do an hour, you know, and it's like, you go home and you need a nap. Adrenaline, yeah. you, you go home, you go, you go to sleep. Yeah. You, know, mm-hmm. you eat, go to bed. Anyway, um, let's go on to seven questions, minutes. Some so. questions. Oh my gosh, time flew. Time flies. Yeah. 
Um, what do we got? Give me one. What do we got? It's got to be something just kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Silly. There silly are questions. no silly you questions here, Steve. Yeah, do you have, yeah. yeah. I'm really struggling in my faith. Tell me, how can I have a relationship with Christ? Right. That, that's it. Were yeah. there, Is that were the there any from last week? That's uh, a great question. <laughs> there's there's because... one good one on here. Do you know the Muffin Man? Ooh, <laughs> the Muffin Man. Someone yeah, texted the that man? in. Does he live over on. Jury, jury lane. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to pull the lyrics out here as I go, and I'm like, just lead balloon on the spot. You know, I'm just going down. I can't you think. I Maybe do not apparently it. know the Muffin, the Muffin Man. Okay. If I yeah. knew the Muffin Man, I know where to listen to it in that Shrek. But so you can literally text in anything. Yeah, and we won't get it. But again, let's give them the number one more time. It's eight one five three one four zero three six three. 815-314-0363. Legitimately, silly questions, deep questions, uh, personal questions, theoretical questions, complex, the simple, the crazy, the outlandish, the heretical. Text them in, and uh, that's what the show's about. Here you go. This one's not silly. So it's good. Uh, yeah. Shane asked, Yoga, is it bad? I think I read somewhere that it was an issue. Yoga, is it bad and is it an issue? You know, yoga is a lot like many other things you'll find in this world. It really depends on intent and purpose of what you're doing. Yoga, of course, finds its roots in Eastern mysticism. And even many of the um, um, the motions, the phraseologies, the, the, the things are, are tied into an Eastern paganism of sort or a Hinduism of sort, whether you look at it as 70 million gods or, or one great Atman. Um, we could talk about it another time, but... Uh, but it is tied into a worldview of the connectivity and release of the body and soul with the great one. It's also great exercise. Yeah. <clears throat> and so yeah. what I love about Christianity is that it is not exclusive in the sense that it has to be invented within Christian circles. Otherwise, it's bad. What's good is good and what is true is true because all goodness and all truth and every good and perfect give comes from God above. And I even love how Paul puts this in 1 Corinthians Corinthians 3, where he says, all things are yours. And what Christianity has had a history of doing, and it's deep in the theology, is it baptizes that which the world corrupts. Mm. So it takes Mm. these things that are inherently good, how, how, how people from the East have learned how to move their body, calm their minds, how to get themselves fit, how to increase their flexibility, how to find inner calm and peace through the connectivity of body and soul, right? But maybe because they see through a glass dimly, have attached the wrong reasons behind that. And what the God of the universe does, who we believe is revealed through Jesus Christ more clearly than anyone, allows us to look at those, but then baptize them or go, we can take the good with and, and discharge maybe that which is corrupt or bad or put it back on a, on a clean footing, if you will. So look, if you're doing yoga and you're immersed in a certain worldview that leads you to conclusions that are counter what God has revealed in the Bible and through his son, well, address those. Mm-hmm. But if you can take the wisdom of what others have discovered and learned and do it to the glory of God in the body that he's given you, then it could be the most wonderful thing that you can do. Yeah. And, and so you got to take it the next level. Yeah. And we can talk about the baptism of so many things in the Christian faith, um, from a holidays to activities to you name it. Um, I think that goes back now to or that future. secular movies and books and things. It's like you can kind of take anything and view it through that lens of, of your faith and pull a message out of it. Like, and it's interesting that, is Paul goes through all of these issues because what can cause one person to struggle might not be a struggle for another person at all. Or maybe to put it better, what can ca- what can tempt one person into sin or cause one person to fall into sin, the exact same thing for someone else might not pose an issue at all. Um, yeah. Alcohol is not an issue for me. I have my own issues, but alcohol has never been one. I can drink alcohol without a propensity towards abuse or drunkenness or addiction or, or, or slavery to this, but others can't touch it. I have my own where I'd be on the other side and yeah. other people are fine yeah. with it. Yeah. And, and the way that Paul defines strong and weak faith is actually those who have an issue with something and who seem to stand against it are often the ones who are actually weaker in their faith mm-hmm. than those who can deal with it without a problem. And it's okay to be weak in your faith. Uh, you know, we're all weak in our faith in certain ways. And 
we have to be ready to cut out whatever causes us to sin. But that doesn't mean we have to cut out something else because it causes someone else to sin. Sure. So I think probably with everything that has, we've, we've talked about today, between from the, the kids song to yoga, is it bad, to movies that are out there, I think it comes down to intent. You know, like, is your intent to view it from a secular view or to listen to a song that only you like the lyrics to or to do yoga because it's focusing on Middle Eastern application or whatever? And are you seeking peace in your soul through an avenue other than God, God. who wants to give it to you more deeply than right. anything, but certainly gives us techniques and practices that we can do to enhance it? But if it, your yeah. intent is to use these things for the glory of God, go for it. So um, to wrap this up, because we've got 30 seconds uh, just want to say thanks for everybody for joining us. We'll be back next week. Yeah, every week at 1230 on Wednesdays, or you can catch us on our podcast, Questions You Never Thought You Could Ask in Church If You Miss Us. Again, we welcome any question you have. Text it in to 815-314-0363 or catch us on Facebook. Also catch us here at the net, you know, if you're listening on internet radio. And, um, you know, Worship you can- with us, fellowshipoffaith.org. Yep. Facebook, find us there. Yep. Online or uh, or in person, we'd love to have you. Yep. Andrew, anything? No, we'll see you uh, see you next week. All right, should we hit it? Yeah. Let's get the music. <laughs> Maybe. I can't, I, I can't find the music. Well, imagine it in your heads. God bless everyone. There it, is. there it is. We need a dance for this. Reagan, we need motions. Oh, she's doing this. The BBS actions. These are all the motions. Everybody does these. Just do your eyes back and forth and you don't know what to do. In church. <laughs>